Welcome back. We are back again with another episode of Prospects Worldwide. We're continuing our series on the top prospects in every minor league system, and we're on episode 15 now out of 30. Halfway through somehow, and today is all about the LA Dodgers. The Trolley Dodgers are now yearly contestants for one of the best farms in baseball, so it's no surprise the future is looking bright with all these prospects coming up. We'll break them all down right here, right now. So Dodger fans, even though you can't watch in person this year, basking in the memorial beauty that is Chavez Ravine, I now invite you to sit back and talk about your baseball future. Enjoy it today. I'm John Giles, and this is Prospects Worldwide. Number 15 today, and it's all about the LA Dodgers. We're here breaking down the entire organization's top prospects that you need to know. Here today to talk about the prospects that are going to keep this dynasty afloat, the owner of Prospects Worldwide, and the superintendent of Swing and Take, it's Mr. Jake Tillinghast. How's it going, John? Ah, it's, a, it's another day in paradise, man. Just got off work, and now I... Uh, actually, my, my wife's been out of town for like two weeks, and today's the very first day that I had a thought that, like, I don't have to wear pants down here. I can just come to my house, and I don't have to wear pants. It's a good day. It's a little information I probably didn't need, but we'll move on there. We're lucky it's not a video podcast, then. Oh, if it was a video, I would have been a long time by now. <laughs> yeah, they don't, we wouldn't have any listeners, any, any viewers, if this was a video podcast. No one wants to see this. But Jake, there is someone that I think people would pay to see. And joining us today, the ever-popular, evergreen, and ever-enchanting, Mr. Jake Tweedy. Tweedy, uh, what do you say we skip this one and just talk about the differences between American and British snacks? And just, you know, Jake's not going to mind, right? That sounds beautiful. I think we should go ahead and do it. All right. We got we got uh, Sprees. We got Smarties. We got Bomba Peanut Puffs. We'll fly through the 20 and then we'll go straight on to the snacks. Yeah. Jake, are you okay with this? I mean, if there's crumpets, I'm involved. <laughs> Ooh. You're going like straight like 1880, tea and crumpet style. I'm talking modern day British snacks. Bro. I like the crumpets. Sorry, bruv. Is that right, Tweety? Bruv? Yeah, that sounds low better. When you say it, yeah, I'm good. pretty much... I fit in. Yeah, yeah, okay. We'll see. You and your peanut puffs might not fit in. <laughs> Guys, let's get down to it. We'll, we'll talk about all of our foods later. Let's get to it, though. We're going to talk about the top five guys, and then we're going to hit five players that you want to spotlight out of the remainder in the top 20. So number one in the system is a consensus top three prospect in all of baseball. And, and let's be real. Is there anything Gavin Lux can't do? Last year across all levels, Lux slashed 347, 421, 607. That's an OPS over 1,000 in the highest levels against the best competition. He's an above-average fielder and has speed and good arm. What are the weaknesses here? And I guess more importantly, talk about these strengths. He seems too good to be true. He's just missing that. I think he's just more just missing that power to show in the actual majors itself. You've seen throughout the minors how he's shown through and it's just... It's just now taking it on to that next level. He, he's an outstanding player. There's no doubt about that. He's just now converting that into a major league format and really pushing ahead. I mean, his numbers have dropped slightly this year. He's only played what, 11 games. But still, when you're batting average under 200, it's something you need to work on a bit more and just replicating that minor league form into majors. Yeah, I mean, let's... Came out hot last year. He kind of came out slow this year to kind of just after his, I think he had COVID at the start of the year. He's after that, and kind of just went into the uh, ultimate training site, kind of started slow a little bit, then he started picking it up. And then here we are now, just having a little tough time getting it going. But he's had some games and 
I hasn't really changed any thoughts on him, quite honestly, as a future prospect or a future talent. The Dodgers is going to be a cog in their lineup for years to come. And quite frankly, there's not much else to say. I mean, he's it's a good fielder. He's an average fielder. I mean, at second base, the power has potential to be better than plus. We have it at 60 plus right now. Same with the hit tool. So there's potential to see 300 power or 300 uh, average with 20 plus 25 homers. So, I mean, there's a ton to like here with Lux. I mean, there's not much to knock here. Sure. And, and even if he's only an average fielder, that 50 grade field at second base is that perfect position that you can kind of hide a fielder with all the shifting. He could be a perfectly fine fielder just being average at second. Yeah, he'll be perfectly fine sitting at second. I don't think he's ever going to be cut out to stick at shortstop. They might try to do it if they move on from Seager at some point, but I think he's just kind of a strict second baseman long-term and just that offensive strong, not going to hurt your second base. Again, league average is perfectly fine. So mm-hmm. He's going to be special to watch. He's going to be top of the order, top of the lineup bat that is just getting on base at a clip and you know doing enough. I, I, I'm really excited to see what, what Gavin Lux can do. But like both of y'all said, there's not much more we can say. He's just, he's good. And we just have to wait to see how, how much better he becomes. So let's move on to number two. And number two is, you know, Kiebert Ruiz. He's a major league ready backstop. He offers a 55 grade glove and a 60 grade hit tool. You know, he's not like some catchers nowadays. He doesn't really have the power that a lot of catchers now have. But Tweety's going to give me some lip for this. Let's look at the stats to get a bigger picture of who he is. Uh, I know Tweety loves it when I go to my stat lines. Oh, we do love but it. I, think it's, I think it's important here with, with Ruiz because four years ago, he peaked in OPS. He had an OPS over 900 in 2016. And then it turned to 800 and then 730. And then last year it went down to 679. Uh, a 679 OPS at catcher in major leagues right now is somewhere in between – 38-year-old Yadier Molina, and the renowned subpar hitter Mike Zanino. My question on Ruiz, I guess, is twofold knowing that. Is his bat ever going to improve as he jumps to an even better league now that he's going from AAA to major leagues? And and if his bat doesn't come around, is his defense going to be enough? Because that has to be the calling card if the bat doesn't come around. I think he's he's got a bit of both, isn't he? He's got his defensively... He's a good fielder. He's a good catcher. He's got that ability to do well. And I think his his bat is not bad. I think especially if you think of catchers normally playing what the eighth, ninth slot in the lineup. I mean, if you can get on base, then you're doing well because then you're leading into the first, second, and third again. So he's got that ability to get on base. He's had that he's continued to have decent like plus three hundred averages. So it's just about continuing to get on base and then letting the top of the line, because that lineup at Dodgers is strong enough that he doesn't have to always find the home runs and the extra base hits to really do anything. Yeah, um, I think just something to know with him too, he's always been young for the great or the, for the levels he's been at. Last year he was 20 years old at the level. So, I mean, he's got moved up pretty quickly last year. He came up from double A and came with triple A, only played nine games at uh, in triple A. So, he kind of just came in and got thrown on the scene this year at the or the, the Dodgers. He got, just got thrown to the first game, just kind of randomly. We all just didn't really expect him to come up. Came up, hit a home run. But again, we were really expecting him to kind of stick this year with the Dodgers. He's more looking at next year. But I don't really know where he fits with the Dodgers, quite honestly. I mean, they have Will Smith. So I'm not sure if this is a guy that we're just kind of looking at as potential trade bait because I think Will Smith is pretty much the catcher of the future for the Dodgers. So I don't really know exactly where it lies with Keybird. I mean, I think it's a perfect trade situation. Just look to trade him, package him with another guy who either doesn't fit or that you want to move on from, and you go get another pitcher or bullpen piece or whatever they kind of see is 
fit for them to kind of get that last piece of the ch- uh, championship run. But Kiebert, I'm personally not as high on him as most. Like, I, I wouldn't give him a 60-hit tool, me personally. He's shown it throughout the minor leagues. I didn't last year, like I said. But I don't know. Just overall, I just haven't been super impressed with him. Uh, I think he's a fine hitter. I think he's more of like a 55-hit uh, tool. But I don't know. Like, like you said, the power doesn't play that great. It's, it's a decent power. Like I said, he had a home run in his first at-bat, so it just kind of happened. But... I don't think the power plays long term. I think that the, the defense is pretty average at catcher. It's a little slightly above average, so he does have some going from there. He's a stick at catcher, but just the overall profile, I think, is a little less exciting than people are making it out to be. And I'm just kind of curious on where that actually fits long term with everyone, especially the Dodgers. Yeah, that the long term fit is even more intriguing outside of Will Smith because yes, obviously Will's in front of him right now. But nipping at his coattails behind him is Diego Cartaya. And we're not going to talk about him today. He's not one of the spotlight guys. But he's a top 20 catcher. And he's 19. He's moving up these ranks. He's easily going to overtake Ruiz. Or he, he he easily could overtake Ruiz in the future. So he's got this little moment of window that he has to prove himself. And I don't know if he... I don't know if his bat's going to be enough to do it. And, you know, Tweety, I know you say the on-base is what matters. And it's true on-base is the ultimate what the ultimate need in baseball but i don't know it just doesn't seem right it just doesn't seem like his bat's gonna be able to click the way it's been falling yeah i suppose that that just depends on how his development goes i mean like you said he's not gone past double a he had nine games in triple a yeah nine games in triple a so i mean there's there's a jump from double a straight to the majors i mean he's missed out essentially a year of development at triple a so I suppose that then turns around to how he is next year, how he looks in AAA next year. Because like I say, you've got Cartier there as the next pro- catching prospect behind Will Smith. So I suppose like I said, Jake could say, like Jake said, it could either be one of those ones for trade bait or does he come in and stick as a backup catcher to Smith in the long term? I mean, hey, we talked about with the Giants the other day that Patrick Bailey, Joey Bart, Buster Posey trifecta of everyone plays other positions. Does he have the ability to play elsewhere in the field or is he stuck at the catcher position? No, I, I don't think Keeper's able to move off the position. Quite frankly, he's not really athletic at all. So if anything, you're going to kind of just toss him over at first base to kind of just make it work. But again, you don't really want to stick him at first base with not much power. It's kind of where you want to stick a power guy and just live with what you get sometimes but it's not exactly fitting that profile and i don't think his bats that strong if we kind of touched on to force in the lineup especially when you're the dodgers and you're spending money and trying to win championships and i'm sure you have capable bats especially the way they run their team so i think it's a i don't think it's a perfect fit here with the dodgers with the other team yeah i, I don't think it's good for the dodgers though well it, it's interesting to see where he goes i think you're right this might be a trade candidate there's a lot of teams that need a catcher and if the Dodgers have a surplus of them, absolutely get rid of Ruiz and get something else for him. This is what the Dodgers do best. They build prospects, they trade them, they build their team even stronger. So the next year they have even more prospects. It's an unsettlingly good cycle that they're in and <laughs> they're going to continue doing it. But let's move on, guys. Let's move to number three. And actually, I was chatting with a friend of mine the other day about this Dodgers farm system. And I kind of noted offhand without thinking about who, who was in it, how strong the pitching was because of the next two guys we're going to talk about, uh, Josiah Gray and uh, Bruiser Gratterall. The, the insane thing is these are the only two pitchers in the org's top 10. The back half of the top 20 is filled with them, but in the twenty or in the top 10, it's just these two. But Gray and Gratterall are just so good, they came to my mind first over the rest of the farm. When it comes to Gray first, 
He combines a plus fastball with plus command and, and fills out his arsenal with three more above average offerings. What do you see Gray turning into long term? I think he has the potential to be the to be a starter. I mean, he's he doesn't have the smoothest of deliveries, but in terms of what he can provide and how he's been, especially in the in the minors, his strikeout rate is good. His walk rate is pretty good. So he's he's a disciplined pitcher. Is I think he just needs a bit more refining on his breaking pitches to really to really become that starter that he could be. His fastball is good enough. His command is good, although it's not the quickest or the the most amount of velocity between 92 and 97, but it's, it's how it's deceptive and that's what causes its swings and misses. So he's got the ability. I think he's just about really now fine-tuning those those breaking balls, but I like him as well. He's one of my favourite guys on the list, to be fair. Sure, yeah. I was actually kind of shocked that he was behind Ruiz on this list. Now, granted, they're both 50 values, so they're essentially tied in a future value ranking, but... I, I just assumed Gray would be, you know, top dog right behind Gavin Lux. Yeah, I mean he's only he's only third because of like Ruiz has been called up to the majors. He's on that edge at the moment of being the backup catcher. So he's only essentially because that Josiah Gray's got obviously missing that year of development really playing in minors. So that's the only real reason. Well, if he comes back twenty twenty one stronger than what he left in twenty nineteen, then. He easily goes above. Jake, what uh, what do you think about Gray? Do you see him as that mid-rotation starter that I think both of us see him as? Yeah, I see him as a mid-rotation. I mean, he might have that little bump to get up a little higher and move into a two-roll, but I think he's more going to settle in that three-four rule. Likely a three. Um, he's got good stuff just all around. He's got four pitches to kind of mix in, and it's pretty, pretty ready. He won't be out this year. I mean, quite frankly, the Dodgers situation, who knows if we could even how long we're going to have to wait to see him next year. I mean, we saw Dustin May have to wait. We saw Gonsolin have to wait until he was 26 years old to even start getting a chance and stuff. So, I mean, yeah, those guys just kind of graduated off the list. And um, here we have Gray's kind of the next, like you said, the next pitcher. And then they got Bruiser up there in the bullpen right now, which we'll get on the next. But, um, yeah, Gray's their next kind of starting pitcher that they're hoping to kind of step in next year when they need someone. But like I said, I don't know exactly again. He's going to be on their team. I don't know if he's a guy they're going to trade. They really like him. They got him in that uh, deal with Jeter Downs when they traded Matt Kemp. They absolutely stole Josiah Gray and Jeter Downs from the uh, from the from the Reds. I think it was for like Alex Wood and Matt Kemp or something. That was is, the Alex Wood trade, yeah. Yeah, so it was just kind of just another win by the Dodgers just finding talent and when they weren't exactly looked at as that. And then two years later, they're top five prospects in the system and they trade for Mookie Betts with one of them and they have Josiah Gray sitting in their top five prospects. It just goes to show you that the Dodgers are just – no matter what they do, it's just you can't count them out as making a strong decision. So, Josiah Gray, I see being an option again in the rotation next year. Just it might just be another situation where we're just bummed out by not getting enough innings because of the depth they have, and we've got to remember they still have that uh, they still have David Price coming back in pretty sure next year. So it's another guy that they're going to have to just fit in and try to figure out. So we'll see what happens with Gray. I'm definitely excited to see him. He's got a ton of talent. God, they are good. <laughs> We're going to see how good this farm system is as we keep going through. So many good guys. We talked about Gray. I also mentioned, and I think you mentioned it as well, Jake, Bruiser Gratterall. He, he doesn't have that full arsenal that Gray has. He's probably more of a bullpen piece because he really only has like a fastball-slider combo. But that fastball-slider combo is one of the more deadlier ones that the major leagues can see. The command projects to be a little above average, and his changeup is you know just meddling, I guess. So... So he really only has those two pitches. 
I see him being a reliever, but being one of the best relievers. Uh, Diego Castillo is one of the comps that I saw, and Castillo is one of the best relievers in baseball. Do you think Gradwell has more than just that reliever profile? No, I think he's going to be reliever. Like I said, he's only got those two pitches, although they are strong pitches. I think that's the difference. He's like, he seems to have slowly come away from that starter role. I mean, 2018, he started all 19 of his games. But then he dropped down a little bit in 2019. And then obviously then he got to the majors and he's just been used as a bullpen arm. And then, like Jake said before, the Dodgers are so got so many starters as it is. <laughs> he's not going to be able to become a, a regular starter with just his two pitches, I don't think. Yeah, I mean, Granville's a bullpen guy, to be honest. I don't see another way around it. That's partly why he got traded from the Twins. It's partly why the Red Sox weren't super excited to get him in that trade, and they thought there was arm issues. The Dodgers said, well, we're a contending team. We don't really care if he can start. We're getting Mookie. We'll take him and shove him in the back of our bullpen and have 103 sinkers coming at you, literally just like John Hicks, who I think that's his comp, quite honestly. like He does the same stuff John Hicks does, 99 to 100 mile an hour, 102, um, the sinkers down in the zone, up in the zone. Doesn't exactly pitch. He pitches a little better to it than uh, Hicks does. Hicks pitches a little more up in the zone. So you see a lot of ground balls with uh, with Bruiser. He did in, in the minors. He would have a 55% ground ball rate last year. So he keeps the ball low. He, he doesn't walk many guys. He's ball in the zone. It's just a fact of really just commanding that fastball a little bit better in the zone. And that slider is just wiped out. I mean, you see every time he goes in the mound, there's gifts of him on Twitter, on the internet, just going viral of this guy just standing in the mound, just pretty much laying back in bed, throwing a hundred mile hour BBs back at you. And it's just like, dude, like, I don't know how you make it look so easy and you can throw so hard, but some people just have that natural ability. I mean, he's six foot one, two sixty five. He's a pretty big kid. It also comes with talent as well that this kid's built to last in the back of a pen. And I'm not sure how long Kenley has back there. He has his struggles, obviously. And, it's been a concern for the Dodgers the last few years, the back of the bullpen in the, uh, in the playoffs. Bruiser's going to help back there, no doubt. And I think Bruiser's likely they're going to be the closer probably by 2022. I mean, it could be even by next year. He has that electric stuff. And he doesn't have the exact swing and miss stuff you look for at the back end of the bullpen with that sinker kind of combination, sinker-slider combination. But just the fact of him not being able to give up those barrels and hard hit contact consistently and just not even walking guys, it's really – I think it's I think it has some uh, closer stuff for sure. Should we be worried about the three IL stints he's been on in the last two years? Yeah, like I said, that was another concern. The dot, the uh, that's why the uh, Red Sox, like I said, were concerned about getting him in the uh, trade when they were kind of talking about that three-way trade uh, sure. with the Mookie deal. So they're like, "Well, we don't really want Bruiser. We're not sure that's the piece we want for Mookie. If we're going to be giving up Mookie, we want something else." And they ended up getting Jeter Downs. So, in in looking at it that way, it's probably the best move for the Red Sox and. It's a bummer for the the Dodgers. They lost Peter Downs, who's one of my favorite prospects in baseball, or at least offensive prospects in baseball. But yeah, when you when you can add a guy like Mookie and then you can just pick up a bullpen piece like Gratterall, I think it's a pretty solid trade. So I think all around this was a pretty good trade. I think the Twins kind of lost out a little bit there, but so far they're doing well with Maeda and uh, stuff. So hasn't been bad. Yeah, that's uh, I mean. The rich get richer, and, and they trade a aging Maeda, who's still been good for the Twins, but for a future back-end closer that's going to lock down. I mean, if he stays healthy, if he's going to lock down most games for the next decade. So mm-hmm. uh, that's, a, that's a good trade. <laughs> that's a good trade for them. Uh, but, guys, let's round out the top five. 
The number five prospect in the system is last year's first-round pick, Cody Hose. At at Tulane early, he was a you know perfectly fine player with some good tools. And then his junior year, he just blew up the American Conference. He had an OBP of nearly 500 and 23 home runs. After the draft, he jumped right into rookie ball and kept that up. He OPSed over 1,000, and he just dominated the, the rookie ball leagues. He finally did find some competition when he made his promotion to A ball, and he was still respectable, 24 hits in 22 games. Is at the end of a long season, he, he went from college to rookie ball to A ball. I understand the the decline there, but still respectable uh, numbers. Now in a second year of affiliated ball, we have the COVID crisis and we just can't get a better look. So I want both of y'all to look into your crystal ball and just tell me the type of player we're going to see once the minor leagues open back up again. Azar's not going to be that two-lane monster, but what should we expect to see from him soon? I think he has the ability to increase that bat to be more more powerful. I mean, I know we put a 55 projected power, but last year seemed to be, like you said, was he standout? Was he just exploded? And it just seemed like he, he's he got to get used to having that power, as weird as that sounds. Like he's gone from not being a big hitter then all of a sudden last year being a big hitter. So it's just, it's the, it's, more the way he uses his frame, like how he uses his body, how he creates that leverage and his swing and his action, how he uses his body. So I suppose in this in this pandemic where you've had no baseball, I suppose that is just the sense of just learning to do that, going through them actions, getting through how he can do that on a consistent basis. Then next year you might see his power projection go up a bit higher with his if he's worked on that and he's worked on how his body moves. Because I think he's an interesting one because of the way the way he hits the ball, the way he the way he targets how his action is and he's got good plate discipline as well. And I just think if he's emphasized on his swing enough and developed it more, then he could have the ability to be that a more power potential coming into next year. Now, it being the Dodgers, and we've talked about the Dodgers always needing the best of the best, is this 50 hit, 55 power, 50 field enough to stick in LA? That's the thing. That's where it could... I think this year, if he had been playing, would have been the key year because then it would have allowed him to... Right, he's had a year now of that power, that extra strength that he's managed to work on, how is it going to then work with pro ball on a full season where he's not going to get fatigued from being college ball and then rookie ball and then pro ball. Mm. It's now, you've got to see how he's going to react next year to then determine how the Dodgers look at him. You've got to give him that year of having that development behind him from the Dodgers and then being able to play pro ball regularly then seeing what he's like. I think if his bat potential sticks or gets better, I think he has the decent ability to be a third baseman, a stick at third base. Mm-hmm. He's, just, he's a few little things that need refined, but that comes on the basis of he was only a first-round pick last year. So it's he, again, needs that time to really progress defensively and offensively. Yeah, I mean, I, I like what Oz has to offer uh if he can, you know, kind of refine that explosion that he had in college and in rookie ball, and improve on those single A numbers, uh, so it's not just a blip on the radar. I mean, still looking at his peripherals, 
14% K rate to an 11% walk rate. That's, that's incredible. That's a great ratio. You, you need to have that as you promote yourself through the systems. Um, but guys, that is it for the top five. I want to take a quick break and we'll be right back. Hey, Jake, have you ever heard of the podcast Around the Diamond with Jake and Thomas? Wait, actually, are you that Jake? Nope, that's not me. That's too many, too many Jakes around here in these baseball circles. Hey, guys, this podcast is great. Literally all baseball topics are covered. Breaking news, predictions, rankings, and in their most recent episode, they did a full trade deadline breakdown, which was both informative and pretty dang entertaining. If you haven't heard them, go check them out once, once our outro completes at the end of this episode. Don't stop listening to us now. Their Instagram's at ATD with Jake and Thomas, and you can listen to them on all podcasting locations. I know 100% I don't have to tell you guys to give a good review because you listeners out there in, in your cars, maybe maybe in a cafe with headphones on, maybe you're taking your government-issued daily walks. You listeners are great at giving those five-star reviews. Check them out. They are Jake and Thomas, and their pod is Around the Diamond. Jake, you sure that isn't you? John, that's not me. All right. Welcome back. We are back. Like we never left. We've touched on the top five prospects for the LA Dodgers, and now we're moving on to spotlight more in the top 20. Our first spotlight guy comes in at number eight, and it's the first of two straight we're going to talk about from the 2017 international class. At the number eight spot is Cuban outfielder Andy Pages. Pages is mainly a power guy and has a big uppercut, averaging a 25-degree launch angle, which would have been tops in the big leagues. Uh, his hit tool is only a 40, and he has you know quite a bit of strikeouts. I know this is kind of counter to the launch angle revolution, but wouldn't it make a little sense to flatten his swing out just a bit? He, he could certainly make better contact if he came into the zone more level. Is his overall profile just so good that we can sacrifice the contact for power with the swing? I think it's more of a, that's something else that will come in time as well. I think he'll, he'll get used to the, get used to the pro ball pitching, get used to the American pitching in general. It's like he's had that one year, with Ogden in the Pioneer League. She's not really had a lot of exposure, really. So I think that's something that will come with time. As he develops, as he becomes a better player, that sort of stuff will come with it. He's big hitting has been pretty impressive. He led the league in extra base hits, second in home runs, total bases, and he's slugging. So he done really well. I think he's just now in terms of seeing how he progresses, don't, tinker too much with what he does and let him find that out for himself of once he starts getting used to playing against better pitchers. Yeah, he's got he's got a ton of power. I mean, he was actually supposed to be involved in the uh, Jock Peterson stripling non-trade with the Angels and whatever they were supposed to get back with Rangipo and others, but they ended up saying no. Um, so we kind of started getting known a little bit then, but he's got a ton of power. He's really fun to watch. I mean, like you said, his launch angle is just built to get the ball in the air. He had 53% fly balls last year. Has a pretty high pull percentage, 50% again. So, I mean, he's a pretty high, heavy pull fly ball guy. So, as you can guess, he has some some possibility of swing and miss with the um, breaking balls away, which he showed with 28% carry last year. So, you definitely have some uh, concerns here. His speed um, is average. He steals some bases, but he also gets caught stealing. So, I'm not sure that speed's going to kind of rely into any stolen bases long term. He's probably going to just be under five per season. So you're really playing the power here, and he's just a right field profile with his uh, his arm. He can't really stick in center too much. So you really hope that back can consistently play, which it's shown for this point. But like you guys said, as he moves up the ranks, you kind of 
want him to see that little bit happen to the um, hit tool a little bit better. I think um, leveling out his swing just a tad, not too much, because you do like the power potential here. If you have someone with this potential power, you just kind of are pretty happy with it, and you almost want to just kind of let it see play out. But I do think if you can tap in a little bit more consistent um, hit ability, he'll even find probably even more power. So for him, I would try to make that change for sure. Yeah, I mean, and, and even if he has to go to the corner, that power is going to fit in the corner. So I know he does have a a little lower fielding percentage. And I understand fielding percentage isn't the end-all be-all of, of fielding grades, but 95% in the outfield does seem to be a little too many errors. So that is something that I would like to see him work on. Uh, he does have that 50 speed. It might not contribute on the base paths, but he should be able to get to a few more balls in the outfield with it. All right. Um, I was going to say, yeah, he has, he has a good range out there. He'll, he'll be fine fit up in right field. Like I said, I don't think he's going to stick in center field. But he'll be fine on right. He's going to have that good arm. He's going to have fine range. He's just going to be more average. I would say he has a chance maybe to push into a 55 fielder, but I think he settles as a 50. So so then the next spotlight uh, comes from the guy that was in that class with him, in that 2017 international class. Uh, it's Miguel Vargas. While Vargas may not have, you know, have the outlier athletic tools that Pages has, he has a pure bat that's going to lead his path. You know, it's going to lead to his path to the bigs. Uh, it's a 55 hit tool, 50 power. It makes him intriguing. And and the fact that his swinging strike percentage only is under 10%, I really start to look twice at this guy. He may not have the elite tools and the glove it might just be average, but the back mixes with the 55 arm, it looks like he could kind of man the hot corner for a little bit, especially if Hose doesn't work out over there. The depth of the position seems to just be Hose and Vargas, and that's about it. How likely are we to see Vargas man that spot? I think he has the, has the ability. I mean... His bat obviously isn't quite there just yet, and I don't think he's the most agile in the field, but I think at the moment it seems like the Dodgers are pretty happy with how he's progressing. I mean, he's doing well in terms of his hitting ability, and he's a guy that I've I've seen quite a lot of. I think is one of the first guys I pretty much ever wrote about, to be fair. But the one change that I saw big was his stance, and and his action, he was very low in 2018 when he first first started playing rookie ball. When when he went into A ball, his stance was very crouched down low, very low. Then you look into 2019, he started to be a bit more standing up tall, and then obviously it accounted for his rise into A A advanced, and he's done well. So, and from a hitting perspective. He's doing well. He might want to do a bit more of his power, but I think I think they'll be pretty happy with his development. It's just now kicking on from there and seeing where he's struggling and moving forward in that aspect. Yeah, like you said, he had a swing change a little bit. The Dodgers were kind of playing around with him a little bit. He has a good amount of raw power, and the Dodgers kind of wanted to help him tap into a little bit more. So they're kind of playing around with his stance, his swing a little bit, his launch angle. Started to improve a little bit. So with his hit ability, I mean, we have a 55 hit, 50 power on him. I think it could even find a way to 55 power if the Dodgers keep burgering their magic with him. Like they have so many other hitters throughout their system and even on the major league roster. I mean, they're one of the best at just kind of finding hitters' abilities and their talents and kind of maximizing those. And I think Marius is one of the next ones. I mean, he's a young kid. He's still working through it. And at a young age, if you're showing those abilities to kind of adjust quickly and do it at a pretty rapid pace and still produce. I mean, that has my attention, quite honestly. And I think he's, I think he's going to be one of the Dodgers' next kind of best infielder prospects. I I almost think he's going to be 
possibly better long term than House. Like he has a better third base profile than House. So I mean, he's just a better natural fit there. I would say there's a few questions surrounding House right now. You want to kind of see him kind of produce a little bit more. Just um, kind of coming out of a little kind of a just low name college and stuff. He had a decent uh, low rookie ball and stuff, but going in next year is going to be huge for him missing this year. But I really like Vargas' upside card. Honestly, I think that by next year we're going to see him potentially even at the top five prospect. I think once he gets back on the field and a chance to prove his abilities and prove that his uh, swing changes has kind of been for the better, then we're going to see a lot of uh, a lot of Vargas here soon. Yeah, and, and what's great, we talked about uh, Andy Page's speed, how it doesn't contribute on the base paths. You know, Page was seven stolen bases, six caught stealings, roughly 50-50. Uh, Vargas has only 40 speed, so slower than Page's. And he has 13 stolen bases to four caught ceiling. So it's not all about speed. It's about base running. It's about knowledge of the game. It's about timing. And it looks like he has it even with such limited speed. Yeah, he's a, he's a smart base runner. I mean, he's not going to – I don't see those steals kind of holding up long term. But if given the opportunity with a slow pitcher, a guy with a slow pop time kind of combined, if he thinks he can make, the, make it happen in a good situation where a breaking ball is coming, he seems to have that ability to kind of take his spots well and – like I said, I don't think it kind of holds true long-term. I think he's, again, just going to be under five stolen bases long-term. He might have a season where he gets a few more, but you're buying the bat here again. This is what you're excited for here, for sure. Yeah, I'm looking around the website. I like to go to a lot of different blogs when I'm researching these players. And one particular one, not going to say names, called him a very poor man's Miguel Cabrera. And even if it's a very poor man's, anytime you have a player who comes from Miguel Cabrera, that is a, you know eye-opener. Let's move away from that international class then, and let's jump down the list, and we're going to go to number 14 for your next spotlight. It's Kendall Williams. Kendall just proves how strong this farm system is. At 14, he comes in with four pitches all grading out with the future 50 grade or above, and his command is a future 50. Add to it that he's six foot six. He's got great extension to the plate, and I see a veritable starting pitcher you know, all the way around. He checks all the boxes. Why is he so low here? Is it because it doesn't have any elite tools? It looks like the floor is real and he could at least be a starting pitcher, maybe even back in rotation, but still a starter. Yeah, I think this just the he's not really well, he's hardly played any pro ball, rookie ball, anything. And I think that's the that's one of the key things of he's not had a lot of exposure to anything. I mean, it could turn out to be a good trade for him, especially with the other player to be named later. So he's, he's he's got good size. He's got a good body control. His repetition is consistent. He throw he can throw strikes. He's definitely got plenty of upside. I think is um, one of those of staying healthy, working on that, working on those pitches that are predicted to be average or just above, and getting pro ball under his belt. It's just that is just, essentially for me that is the key thing. It's just he hasn't really had a lot of exposure. Yeah, he's young. I mean, he was one of my favorite pitchers back in the draft, um, in the 2019 draft. Quite honestly, I, I really like him. I think I was kind of surprised to see him be traded for Ross Stripling. Quite frankly, that's how they just required him, just literally at the trade deadline just a few weeks ago. Um, in that deal that sent Stripling to the um, the Blue Jays, but and they're still getting another player back. The, the um, the Dodgers are. So, I mean, I don't know who else they're going to get back on top of Kendall, but it's already a win in my opinion, that deal. So that is what it is with that. But yeah, I mean, Kendall's legitimate in my opinion. He has mid mid rotation upside. He's got a four pitch mix, fastball, curveball, change up slider. Sliders rounds out the four. It's the one that shows the need for the most improvements, but the fastball, curveball and change up all show above average to even plus at their best, in my opinion. 
Um, I think he's honestly one of the better just long-term kind of starting pitchers in the system. He's obviously not going to be ranked highly just due to the age and kind of the unknown right now. We haven't really, obviously, he only threw uh, 16 innings last year with the Jays, and then we haven't really seen him much this year at all with the um, situation at hand. So going in next year, he's going to be kind of a hot name, and especially for the Dodgers, they're going to be really antsy to get their hands on him and kind of work and tinker with him and see what they see with him. And I think it's a perfect landing spot for him. I mean, the Jays are a team that do well with those big kind of starting pitchers, those big body pitchers. But anytime a pitcher goes to the Dodgers, you can expect them to pretty much get the max out of them or at least do their best to get the max out of them. And that's all you can at least ask for from a prospect. They're going to work him and give him his best opportunity. That's all you can ask for. And he's got the talent to make it last. If he's healthy, I see him. He's a, he's a few years away, but I see him definitely being a part of the rotation in a few years. Yeah. Now, now, while we don't have a lot of stats to go on in affiliated ball, we still do know that just last year he was the seventh best right-handed pitcher coming out of the best uh, coming out of the high school ranks, and the seventeenth best high schooler overall. So that I mean, I know high school doesn't translate to major leagues at all, but we know that there's a repertoire there. We know that there's a background there that we should that we could feel somewhat comfortable in. And the fact that he showed it in those whatever 16 innings that he had works. It, it, it makes me feel more comfortable that this is someone that's real. Yeah, he's, he's definitely real in my opinion. Like you said, it's just a matter of time getting on the field and actually showing that arsenal and just showing how much he can fool hitters with that four-pitch mix. It's, it's going to be fun. Okay. Well, I like fun. And I'm sure a lot of the Dodgers fans are going to like fun as well. Let's move down to number 17. Uh, we're, we're looking at Michael Grove here, and he's an interesting sort he turns 24 in December, and he's still in A-ball the last time he played. Add to it that even in A-ball, he had a 6 ERA and a 1.5 whip. It's just not great. <laughs> sure, he has a 55-grade fastball-curveball combo that, at this rate, he's going to project you know, to be a 26-, 27-year-old rookie in the bigs. It doesn't quite jive with you know top prospect. What do we expect from Grove? I think that's, this is another one that's not hard massive amount of exposure like you said he's going to be 24 next year he's not he's played 21 21 games a advanced he's he missed his entire junior season due to tommy john surgery he was then signed over slot for the 2018 draft and then taken off it because of that previous injury history he's got He's got strike ability. Like he's got, he had seventy three strikeouts in just fifty one innings last season. I know his ERA was expensive. His record wasn't great, but then he's going into a advanced on his first taste of pro ball, and it's going to be different. It's completely different. He's missed the season. It's going to be tough to get into that groove, but it's just one of those things that he has the ability. I think he has the ability to do something with it. It's just that case of what's he going to do once he gets there. Is more of a intriguing. Is what is he going to do? How is he going to come about next year? I mean, he's got things that he needs to work on, of course. But if he can keep picking up consistent strikes and then refine his approach slightly, then you never know. But again, it's it's one of those ones that is more of a what's he going to do in terms of we know what he's going to do. No, it's in terms of moving forward. Now, that limited uh, innings pitched for him over the last couple of years could end up being an advantage. You know, some might say it might be a little rusty, but 
over the last five years since the beginning of college, he's only pitched a total of 143 innings. So, I mean, this that's that's one year for some guys, and he's done that over five. Where, yes, he might be rusty, but there are a lot of bullets left in that arm. Yeah, and he's had in that 143 innings, he's had 190 strikes. Mm-hmm. Now, Jake, what do you think about him? Uh, obviously, at Jake. Now, Tweedy knows I'm looking at the numbers and I don't like it. Should I just ignore the numbers entirely? I mean, a little bit, but I'm also, I was never a huge fan of him coming out of college. He, he had some good stuff, but he struggles a little bit, in my opinion, just to kind of locate a lot of his stuff. His stuff's a little bit average. I think he's more of like a two, three pitch guy than it kind of shows with his four pitch mix. I think even a slider could even possibly be less than an average pitch that we have it as. It can even possibly grab a 45, which at that point you have two pitches that are nice. You have two 55s and then you have two 45s in my opinion. So it's tough to uh, like see him be an actual consistent starter. He's got to find a little, a little bit better command and possibly maybe he finds more consistent uh, movement on his curveball and it becomes a plus pitch and he has a chance to kind of get consistent outs, but until then, I just have him kind of seeing him trouble just at least get through a lineup twice, let alone three times. I mean, I just don't see much potential in the changeup and slider, quite frankly. Yeah, and, and if he doesn't get better movement on those pitches, you know, the fact that he works high in that zone, uh, it's not going to be good. Meatballs in the top of the zone are never good for pitchers. So, <laughs> Yeah, it's, he doesn't really tunnel them too well, so if he, if he gets better break and better kind of command of them, that fastball will play better and it'll make his complete arsenal better. But at this point, just when you don't have a strong changeup, you don't have a strong slider. I mean, you're sitting really fastball curveball on a guy. And if you think about it, you can, if you, if he doesn't have a great curveball, he's a 55, it's fine. So you can kind of just sit off of that and you're just sitting on a high fastball and it's not an overpowering fastball by any means. So that's where I think he struggles. I mean, he gave up over almost one and a half strikeouts or one and a half home runs last year per, per nine. So, I mean, it was pretty, not pretty, so you definitely want to see him either work down his own more or find more consistent off-speed pitches because right now it's what he's doing isn't working at this level. You you are a wordsmith, Jake. Pretty, not pretty. You are just a wordsmith. You are a Shakespeare of your times. Pretty, comma, not pretty. <laughs> I don't even think that's grammatically right. <laughs> I don't know, dude. <laughs> Guys, let's round out the top 20. We're going to be looking at the number 20 guy, Edwin Yuseda. And, and, and similar to Kendall Williams, he has shockingly good tools and numbers. Leading the way for Yuseta, he has a 55 command and a 55 changeup, mixed with a low 90s 50-grade heater and a decent 50-grade breaking ball. Looking at his stats, though, his recent ERA improvement may be a little camouflaged, as both his whip and walk weight, walk weight, both his whip <laughs> and walk rate increased last year. So it looks like he just kind of got out of a lot of jams. And that's a facet of a pitcher's game that's just volatile and impossible to project. Even though he's not a classic high 90s fastball with you know huge breaking stuff, it seems like there's a real future being carved out with Yuseda. Where do you think he projects in the future? I think he has the ability to be as... I know we said before about the starting rotation for Dodgers is incredible. So if he's going to touch on that, then potentially, but you're going to see probably more than likely to be a reliever just, just because of how stacked they are. I mean, for me, I thought you say it was a bit, not underrated, but sort of one that sort of flew under the radar a little bit. He's down at number 20, but he had a good season last year. Like if it wasn't for how good Gray was, he could have easily been pitcher of the year for the mm-hmm. Dodgers in the minor league pitcher of the year. He's, he's always shown... The 
he goes against the grain, so to speak. Like he's six foot, 155. Yeah, like you said before, he hasn't got those high velocity fastballs, but he has good action with it. He's, his secondary pitches are decent. They will work well. He's just, he seems like a player that's, he has that ethic, work work ethic, that ability to really drive forward what he wants to do. And his walk rate got worse last year. But he's everything. Other other numbers look good. I know how much you love your stats. So, I mean, his numbers. The look strikeout good. rate did he's go just... up by a tick, but the walk rate went. I said it again. Walk rate. The walk rate went up a tick as well to kind of counter it. So it's like okay, you took the good with the bad there. His overall numbers went down, but you could tell he was allowing a lot of men on base, and he was just getting out of jams. I think it's just he's he's he was playing against. Harder, harder batters. Like he's, he's twenty one. It was like twenty one last year when he was playing. So what? A good few years away from double A, really. What you'd expect. So he's he done more in his his games that he played. Like he started twenty four out of the twenty six, and he's pitched a lot of innings. He's pitched a lot of innings for the last couple of seasons. To be fair, with regular strikeouts, he's just one of those players that I think he's a little bit underrated. That inning pitch you're talking about is the exact opposite of Grove. Grove's coming in with 143 innings in five years. Uh, Yuseda's done 120 innings two years in a row. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Yuseda's uh, an interesting kind of situation right now. I'll just kind of touch on the situation you guys haven't yet. But he kind of just got kicked out of Dodgers camp a few weeks ago um, Ooh, for breaking. Awesome. I, I mean, he, he broke the uh, COVID protocols and all that. I think he left the site and was doing something he probably shouldn't have done. I don't know exactly what he was doing. He never really came out, but he broke safety protocols and they sent him home. So he kind of lost about, not a ton of time, but I don't know how the team's going to kind of react to that long-term. I don't know if it's just a brush me over thing or it was something serious where they're going to kind of move on from him. I don't know. It's just something to kind of monitor long-term, but um, moving on to the stuff. I mean, the stuff's good. The stats look interesting, as Sweetie kind of touched on. I think the fastball is a little underpowering, but honestly, I think it's more of, it could even be a 45, but I would be okay with it being a 50 as we have now. But it's almost a 45 pitch, in my opinion. And then you get to the curveball. I think the curveball is pretty good. It could even, it shows at times at 55. I, it probably settles in as a 50, but again, it shows that flash at 55. And really, the, what really makes him good is the all speed pitches with the curveball and the changeup. He just really pitches off his fastball with those, and he's not really using that fastball as a really strong pitch. It's more just. I have a fastball, but I'm really using my breaking balls and my off speed to kind of get my outs and get my strikeouts and all that. He's just kind of getting guys off balance with his fastball, more or less. Just he's just kind of a smart pitcher. He's kind of winning with more knowing how to get guys out and kind of that mentality more than stuff. But as he moves up, you're gonna definitely need stuff. I mean, yeah, I mean as your 20th prospect, he's definitely an interesting an interesting player. I mean, with the Dodgers, they're gonna maximize him again, so I wouldn't count him out, but definitely check up on what his kind of situation is going the next year with that uh, kind of whatever happened with him this year because we very well could see him just being a trade bait or not in their cards in the future. I'm not too sure what's going to happen with that. Yeah, I mean, that that type of thing could leave a bad taste in a, in a manager's mouth, in a, in a GM's mouth, where it's just like, you we gave you a chance, we're giving you all the chances in the world, and you break protocol, we have to stick to our guns, you got to go. You don't know how they're going to react next year when they bring him back. So if they bring him back. Absolutely. I'm sure he'll be back, but you got to definitely wonder what's going to happen with, uh, with his future uh, outlook. Well, 
Guys, uh, let's take a broader look. That is the top 20. So let's take a step back and take a broader look at the whole system that we didn't touch on. So at number six, we, we got uh, catcher Diego Cartaya. We did speak on him for a quick second. And number seven and 10, we have some middle infielders, Michael Bush and Jacob Amaya. 11 and 12 are a couple of recently drafted pitchers, uh, Clayton Beater and Bobby Miller. We've got outfielder Luis Rodriguez at 13, Alex DeJesus, Mans the Hot Corner at 15, and the final three are all pitchers, Gerardo Carrillo, Ryan Pepiat, and uh, Andre Jackson. But as always, take a step back even further and look at the whole org in its entirety. Away from the top 20, who are some guys you either want to highlight or some guys that you might we might see creep into this list as some of these players graduate? I mean, the couple of guys that were drafted in 2020, Landon Knack, I think he's one that is just on the edge. I mean, he signed, he was a second rounder, started as a two-way player, but gave up his hitting in 2019 So and was dominant really in college ball, posted 108 ERA, 0.52 whip, so then had 51 strikeouts in 25 innings. So he he's a solid player, seems to be one that's coming out of the draft, but maybe better jumping into the bullpen if they're going to fast track him, especially missing out this year and being 23. So that's one one of the guys missed out. I know Jake would say about Jake Vogel being missing out. I'm, I'll leave him to talk about him. And the other guy I had was Jimmy Lewis, who's signed in the second round in 2019, yet to make his debut, but signed above plot at 1.1 million. Showed plenty of promise, but he missed the end of the season with a partially torn labrum in his shoulder pre-signing, so he was shut down in 2019. But done well as a senior, 9-0 record, 0.52 ERA, struck out 83 in 53 innings. So he's another player that's one to watch. And I think, especially with that, lower maybe four five on the ranks list that they could alternate really. Andre Jackson is one. Grove, like I said, depending on how he comes out in 2021. Carrillo, another one. It could be in and out of that bottom section. So it's just, there's a couple in there. I'll, I'll leave Jake to talk about Vogel because he was definitely on me about Vogel. <laughs> but Sorry, before before Jake goes on with Vogel, I want to mention, I looked up Landon Knack, the very first guy you spoke on, and uh, Tweety, I'll admit, this one got me shook for a second because he has 51 strikeouts a walk rate. And that's because he has 51 yeah. strikeouts and one walk. Sometimes numbers are deceiving. Yeah. But <laughs> exactly. <laughs> There's a stats coming. No, this guy's there. a 51 strikeout to walk rate pitcher every day of the week. Put him on the mound. 51 strikeouts every two games. <laughs> yeah, but just uh, on the Vogel, I mean, like you said, I'm I'm pretty excited about Vogel. If you listen to our uh, draft pod, and I'm I'm pretty high on Vogel. I mean, just as a player in general, I saw him play in high school a ton. He played five minutes for me, so I got a ton of looks at him there. Um, so I was pretty excited to see where he landed on the drafts, and then. Here we go. He ends with the hometown team that they run the Dodgers. So, I mean, I think it's a perfect fit for him, quite frankly. I mean, the kid has a little bit of untapped raw potential um, in the power department. He's got a good hit tool. He's got legitimate 80-grade speed. He's a center fielder long-term. He's improved his routes, improved his jumps on the ball, improved his overall game in center field. So he's a, he's a fit in center field with that speed. And the profile offensively, like I said, is a top-of-the-order guy. And if he can tap into that uh, – tapping that power. I mean, the comp I have on him is kind of an AJ Pollock with more speed. And when AJ Pollock was healthy with the Diamondbacks, he was one of the better players in the league. I, was, I wouldn't say he's the top 10 player or anything, but he was a top 20, 25 player in the league. And I mean, I, I think Vogel has that long-term potential, especially with the Dodgers that can have in 
was like with the Dodgers being able to help him uh, help him kind of tap into that a little bit more raw power, help him kind of change that bat path just slightly with a little bit of a flat bat path right now. But I I'm all in on Vogel quite frankly. I'm a little bummed he wasn't on the list, but I definitely see it's just a deep system at times. You kind of just have to pick and choose your spots. And like I said, I would have probably had him on, but it is what it is. Vogel's going to be on there next year. There's, no one's going to take that from me. So Vogel <laughs> will be on there next year, and we'll deal with it then. But another guy I'm pretty excited about, not in terms of just kind of sticking as we kind of once thought he was going to, but um, DJ Peters, just a big guy, mm-hmm. six foot six, 225, his raw powers, some of the best in the minors. It gets 70 grades power from most places. Some even give it a risky 80. I'll stick it with a 70. But if he can tap into some of that hit tool, I mean, it's a, it's pretty poor. It's it's a, it's quite honestly could even be a 30. But I'll settle for a 35. I'll give him some credit for now. But if he can tap into that 35, even maybe a 40 hit tool, that power has a chance to hit plus and even more. And yeah, it's not the most exciting profile of right-handed, just power hitter, but He's in the minor leagues and outside of your 20 top prospects, if you can find people that are going to be able to contribute, that's pretty exciting in a little bit. So I don't know if it's going to be with the Dodgers. It's going to be with someone. Someone will take a chance on this kid. Might be a team that's just, you know, a team like the Royals or just another team that just has spots available that they want to see what he's see what he can do. Because the Dodgers, they don't have room for this guy. I mean, they got Bellinger, they got Betts, they got other guys coming up. I mean, I'm forgetting multiple guys, I'm sure. So... I don't even want to try to fit him into their terms in their field right now because they don't have spot. So I expect him to be within your team. Uh, correct me. Is he? He is on the forty man. I was wondering if he might be Rule Five eligible soon, but he is on the forty man. Um, Jake, since you have a love affair with Jake Vogel, mm-hmm. are you aware that there was a previous Jake Vogel in Major League Baseball? No. In eighteen ninety one, Jake Vogel. Let me let me read you this stat line: seventeen innings pitched. One strikeout, 10 walks. That is the opposite of a good ratio. (laughs) (laughs) But, guys, I hope that that's not the Jake Vogel we see because that Jake Vogel was a pitcher. Uh, And that is it for the Dodgers today. Like always, we want to keep these T20s informative and entertaining. Tweety, that's why we brought you on. Thank you for coming on, man. It is always a pleasure. Always a pleasure. I'm so glad to be here. It's uh, what it's uh, not even eleven o'clock your time yet, or is it almost new? Is it almost midnight your time? Almost midnight now. That's fine. You don't need sleep. We said this last time as well. We don't. I don't need sleep. So yeah, yeah it's a it's a it's a common theme. It's we, it this is, is a the podcast theme. based on themes, and this is one of them. We're now going into the half hour talking about snacks, aren't we? Uh, that'll be the next episode. Uh, oh, once yeah. we sign off here, we'll we'll yeah. restart the recording. Uh, as we sign off, Tweety. Uh, please tell the world where they can find you and if there's anything that you want to plug. So you find me on Twitter, MLB UK Analysis 1, and working on the Nationals ranks next as well. Nice. Now, uh, Jake, don't want to leave you hanging. It is a pleasure to have you with me as well. Uh, it's always good to have you along my side. But uh, how can people find you and what do you want to plug? Uh, you can find me on Twitter always, jtillinghast27, J-T-I-L-L-I-N-G-H-A-S-T-2-7. Um, prospects worldwide our twitter is prospects world w we drop all of our articles there just some other news that we see just give us a follow and take a look at all we got on our on our website prospectsworldwide.com we got a ton of the other teams up i think we got about 20 other um top 20s up right now we got a few more on the way that should be up in the next week or so so by the time 
you guys hear this, we should have quite a few up on the site and we're making our way to the end. And it's pretty tough to get these out this year because of all the situations and stuff, but it's been fun. I mean, it's been, been fun getting the information out for you guys as much as we can kind of pick up and stuff with all that's going on. So hope everyone enjoyed it. And until the next time, I'm out. <laughs> I think we just ended there. I don't even have to sign off. That's perfect. Nope. <laughs> As always, I'm John Giles, and you can follow me at Pumaravive. That's P-U-M-A-R-E-V-I-V-E-D. And please continue listening to this pod. We're going to have a ton more episodes. We have 15 more of these, uh, and the baseball season ends in roughly 15 days. So we'll see how this plans out. We'll be putting these out around Christmas time. Remember to give us a good review, and you can find this article for everyone we mentioned here today over at prospectsworldwide.com. If you have any questions about a team we haven't done yet, or you just want to hear us banter about something, drop us a line on Twitter at ProspectsWorldW. I look forward to reading those questions and requests, and next time I'll ask them for sure. Thanks for listening today. I'm John Giles, and this is Prospects Worldwide.